Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Luke chapter 16. We're going to begin to read in verse 9. If you're there, can you shout amen? This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says this, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, well, who's going to trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Look at what Jesus says. Verse 13 is the one you can kind of underline, highlight it. I think it's one that all of us need to know. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Come on, that last line. Can we read it together? You cannot serve both God and money. He says you cannot serve both God and money. As we're getting ready to wrap up this series, one of the most important series I think we've done as a church. Today's topic, today's theme, I think is a big one that's going to talk into a lot of our worlds. And in fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Today I want to talk to you from this topic, my mind on my money. My mind on my money. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. <laughs> Come on, why don't we close our eyes, bow our head, and let's ask God to bless us and help us this morning. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your love with us and toward us. God, I pray that today you'll, you'll continue to heal us, God. I know that you want health for us in our mind, body, and soul. God, that our soul will prosper the same way that our life is prospering. God, I pray that today you'll heal us, help us, open up our eyes to see you in ways we've never seen you before. We want to know you, Jesus. I pray for healing, freedom uh, for every heart that's burdened, every life that's under anxiety, stress. There's healing in your house. There's healing in your presence and in your name, Jesus. Have your way this morning. We love you. We thank you. It is in your name that we pray. All of God's people say. Oh, come on. All of God's people say. 11 a.m., can you give a big shout to Jesus one more time? Come on, big, big shout. Money. We're talking about money today. More money. I think a lot of people want more money. I'll, I'll ask this. How many of you want more money? How many of you want more money? Come on. Some of you are like, I'm in church. I don't know if I should raise my hand or not. Like, come on, how many of you want more money? Come on, we, we want more money. Nothing wrong with a little bit more money. I think humanity is on an endless pursuit for more money. Our world is on a search for more money. We want more money. We desire more money. What can I do to get more money? Show me the money. (laughs) I want more money. Our lives, we think, would be better if we had more money. But I think here's what happens sometimes is that we lose the vital things in search of the insignificant things. I think that happens often when it comes to money. 
I, I wear contacts, for example, and uh, without my contacts, I can't see a thing. Any contact wearers in here? Come on. I wear contacts every single day since I was like 12 years old. I couldn't see a thing at 12, and so I wear contacts. If I'm not wearing contacts, I wear glasses. And uh, so every single day, I put on my contacts. And the other day, I was getting ready to put on a contact, and I had the contact on my finger. I looked at it. I had been cleaning it. I said, let me clean it one more time before I put this thing in my eye. And so I had the contact in my finger, and I'm like, okay, I need to clean it one more time. So I reached across the sink, and I was going to reach my, my contact cleanser. As I was doing that, my contact fell off my finger, right? Have you ever lost a contact? Anybody, any contact wearers in here? Come on. How many know it's like mission impossible once you lose a contact, right? I couldn't find my contact for all. I'm like, where did it go? It's only in my sink somewhere. Like, I was like, I, I was running out of new contacts. I, in fact, one time I went to youth camp, and I remember I went to youth camp as a leader years ago, and I was at youth camp. I didn't take extra contacts with me, and we're out doing field day, all right? If your kids go to youth camp, they're going to have field day. This day is the day that you get just all messy. It gets crazy. You play all types of games, and in the middle of one of the games, I scratched my eye and my contact fell in the grass. I think contacts disappear into thin air. When they fall, they just disappear into thin air. I couldn't find, the rest of the time I was looking with one eye for a camp street, like just like with one eye for the rest of the week, right? Contacts are hard to find. And so we lose the vital thing in search of an insignificant thing. I think the same thing happens when it comes to our money. When it comes to money, many times we're, we're searching for something vital. We want it we think that that's what we need, and it's really insignificant. You know, what, you know what I think the big problem is? Is that we lose peace trying to find peace in money. I think many times we lose our peace thinking that we will find peace when it comes to our money. We will lose our peace, and actually some people have lost it all. Some people have lost their homes. Some people have lost their family. Some people have lost their marriages. Some people have lost their children because they are in an endless pursuit for more money. I don't know about you. I think money is important. But can I tell you, it's not that important. I think your family is more important. I think your marriage is more important. I think your kids are more important. Come on. Our health is more important. Our sanity is more. Money is important, but it's not that important. But in our world, we think that if we had more money, our life would be so much better. Right. Especially in America, like we're in this crazy pursuit for more money. In fact, they did a research poll on what people would do for more money. Right. They did this one poll. What would people do for ten million dollars? Right. Look at some of the answers on what people said they would do for ten million dollars. <laughs> what would you do for ten million dollars? Twenty five percent of them said they would abandon their family. Twenty three percent of Americans said they would prostitute themselves for a week or more. 16% said they would give up their American citizenship. 10% will withhold testimony, letting a murderer go totally free. Some of you are in here looking at this list like, I would. <laughs> 7% will kill a total stranger. Who are you sitting next to? Be careful. 3% will put up their kids for adoption for $10 million. Some of you are like, I'll do that for free right now. Like, I'm... <laughs> If I just had more money, I would do so much more for money, right? And we think that this is going to bring us peace. It actually raises our anxiety level, and it raises our stress levels. And so many people are in depression today 
because they're anxious for money. Right? I think there's a money problem in America, especially when it comes to stress and anxiety. In fact, look what they said. Look at these statistics when it comes to money. This is what they said, America's money problem. 72% of Americans are stressed about money in the last month of their life. Right? 72% of us in this room, over the last 30 days, we lost sleep, we lost peace, because we were thinking, how am I going to pay bills? What am I going to do? Or oh, I need more money. 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. There's no money to breathe. There's no savings. There's, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. 80% of Americans are in debt. And 62.4% of Americans are in credit card debt. Like we have a money problem in America. And it's adding to our anxiety. And we wonder why people are stressed out. And we wonder why when traffic people are losing their cool. And we wonder why some people can't sleep at night. And oftentimes it goes back to this because our finances are out of control. Imagine just credit card debt alone, 62%. I shared this story with you earlier this year that I was working at this place one time where they help people with credit card consolidation. And I was helping with the intake and helping them take it to the people that were helping out. And this one lady comes in, and she's like, I have a debt problem. And I told her, okay, how much do you owe? She goes, I owe $92,000 in credit cards. I'm like, what have you been spending on? Before we fix it, can you buy me a gift, right? Like, $92,000. We have a problem in America. You know, you know what I really think? I, I really don't think it's that we don't have enough. I actually think that we have more than we think. Like, I'm going to be honest. I'll say it like this. I think... We're rich compared to the rest of the world. We're rich. I'll tell you this right now. All across the globe, there are 3 billion people in our globe today that live on $2 a day. 3 billion people in the world's population live on $2 a day. Right? 80% of our globe lives on $10 a day or less. 80%. In fact, if you drove a car, you were in a car this morning on your way to church you are considered to be among the top 15% of the world's wealthiest people. Right? Like our world, it's really going through some suffering. We're blessed on this side. Right? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everybody is. I know there's people that got real money issues and real money struggles. Maybe you're in here, you're like, Alex, I just went through a divorce and I don't have enough money or you had a medical emergency or, or whatever it is, or you just lost a job. I get that. But I think for the most part, Most of us have more money than we think. For the most part, most of us have more money than we think. But for some reason, it is never enough. It's never enough. And we think that the search for more money is going to bring us peace. But can I tell you, if we don't manage it well, or if we're always thirsty and hungry for more money, we will never have peace. In fact, money lies. Money will lie to you. And money will tell you, if you had more of me, you would be more secure, you would feel more significant, and you would be happier. If you had more of me in your life, you would feel more secure, more significant, and you would be happier. But can I tell you, money will not make you secure, significant, or happy. My money does not make me secure. I'm secure because of who I am in God. I know he's got me. My security doesn't come from my bank account, doesn't come from Wall Street, doesn't come from the stock market. I'm secure because of God. 
My significance doesn't come in the car I drive, the the clothes I own, or the house I live. I'm significant because Jesus Christ died for me on Calvary. I don't care what the world thinks. I don't care what culture tells me. I'm significant because I am a child of God. It's not in what I possess, but in who possesses me. And I'm not happy because I have money. Most people with money aren't that happy. My happiness comes from having God in my life. In sunshine or in the rain, I got joy in my soul. I got peace. Money's good, but money is not God. Come on, somebody, give Jesus a big shout of praise. Money's good. Money's good, but money is not God. Money will lie to us and tell tell us if you just had more of me. And so we lose our peace trying to find more. I love Jesus. Jesus spoke about money often, right? Like Jesus spoke a lot about money, right? All throughout scripture, we see that it talks about wealth, finances, and money, possessions. It's important. In fact, in the Bible, there's about 500 verses on prayer. And most of us would say prayer is important. Prayer is extremely important. We need to pray. And so oftentimes, like, hey, let's talk a lot about prayer. We will. We do pray. But the Bible has over 2,000 verses on money. And sometimes when we talk about money, we already got to, I knew I should have not came today. Baptism Sunday, they're going to talk about money, right? But it's important because the Bible talks about it. In fact, Jesus had just a little bit short of over 40 parables, right? He had 40 parables throughout scripture, about 38, 39 parables. One third of them had to do about wealth, possessions, or finances, Right. Finances had a dominant role in the teachings of Jesus because finances have a dominant role in our life. Jesus spoke about it because oftentimes instead of you having possessions, the possessions end up having you. And so it's an issue of the heart. And for Jesus, it was important to talk about finances, money and wealth. What happens with the heart and what happens with money? In fact, they were, they were to say this. That, that money is so dominant in our lives that if you were about 85 years old in this room today, 50 years of your, wake, of your life awake, you would spend it thinking about money. If you were 85 years old today, 50 years of your life were spent thinking about money. I need more money. How can I make more money? I don't have enough money. 50 years thinking about money. And so it's important to talk about money. Jesus, in the book of, of Luke, He's here with his disciples in, in Luke chapter 16. And Jesus had just finished saying a whole bunch of stuff. Like you got to read Luke, probably from about chapters 13 and on. And you see some of the most beautiful teachings of Jesus. And he's talking to Pharisees, teachers. And in chapter 16, he's with his disciples. He's with his guys. Like they're, they're all hanging out. Imagine Jesus hanging out with Peter, James, John, Matthew. They're all there. All his guys are there, all his disciples, his friends, his brothers. And, and he decides to talk about finances with them because he knows in this world, you're, you're going to need money. In this world, you, you're going to need some finances to get ahead. And you're going to have to use them. Just don't let them use you. And so he's giving them an example about money. He, he starts talking about this guy who was a manager for a boss. And the guy ends up mismanaging the money. He finds out he's going to be fired. And so he says, okay, I need to do something with this money to secure my future. The guy had bad plans, but he ends up securing his future through being a hustler or a schemer. And Jesus is using a bad example to say, if this guy can use money to secure his future in a bad way, how much more should we as believers use money to secure our eternal future in a good way? 
And so he explains this parable. It's beautiful. And I think from this parable, we can get three different applications for our life. I think you get a whole lot more, but, but I just want to share three. Before we continue with Baptism Sunday and all that, I, I want to talk about three things that I think can help us out when it comes to money. Jesus said three different things in this parable that I think could help us. Number one, I want you to write this down. Number one, we need to gain self-control. Come on, can we say that together? We need to gain self-control. A lot of us didn't like that one right there. <clears throat> we need to gain self-control. When it comes to money, you need to gain self-control. I'll ask you this. Where are you spending your money? Jesus says you use your worldly wealth to invest it into people so that when you pass or when you die, you'll have people waiting for you on the other side because you made friends out of them using money. But some of us, what we don't have is self-control, right? We spend our money however we want, whenever we want. And the last thing that we spend it on is on eternal things, right? We just spend it on things that we need at the moment or we think we need. A lot of them aren't really needs. They're wants. I heard this one preacher said, every single one of us, we have a two-year-old on the inside that needs to be calmed down. (laughs) Have you ever seen a two-year-old asking for candy at a grocery store? How do they act? Come on. I want it now, mom. (laughs) Give me this chocolate now. (laughs) Some kids, have you ever seen them? They throw themselves on the floor and start rolling around because they couldn't get an ice cream or a chocolate, right? If they grew up with, like, the parents that I did, that would be the last time you act out in public. You scream like that one more time, you're not going to have teeth which to scream with. That's how I grew up. I'm just saying. Nowadays, sit in timeout for two minutes. My parents didn't believe in timeout. They believed in knocked out, right? That's what my parents believe. <laughs> I'm just saying. Some of us, this got out of control quick. Some of us, some of us have a two-year-old on the inside that as soon as you see shoes, I want them now. I'm going to talk to some of the ladies in here. You don't need another pair of shoes. You got 45 in your closet. Three of them you bought last week. 25 of them you've never worn. We have a wedding coming up. Babe, I need a new dress. Babe, but you, you, you got like 40 of them in the closet. Um, I, no, they just don't fit right. I need a new dress. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't need your nails done every week? <clears throat> Let's do something. Let's take it to the guys now. Fellas, you don't need that brand new truck. (laughs) You don't need that brand new fishing boat. (laughs) That was good. That was a good one. Come on, we need to self-control. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You can do all that if you're able to. In America, most of us aren't able to, and still we do it. Right? Like, like here's one that's going to shock us all. How about we live within our means? Right? I think there's a money problem in America, and the truth is a lot of us, we spend more than we earn. 
If we just had some self-control, we can get out of debt. Here's the thing. If you just say no for a little bit, then you can say yes in the long run. Look what the Bible says about self-control. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. If you don't have no self-control, everything comes in and out. If you don't have self-control and all you're doing is swiping, swiping, swiping that card, I'm telling you, you will never get out of debt and you'll never be able to have the life you can live. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. But if it's killing you, if it's anxiety and with stress, maybe you just need some discipline in your life. Get some self-control and then you can do your nails every day. Then you can buy all the latest shoes you want, including guys. Then you can have the boat and the nice house and all that. But, but if it's stressing you out right now, there's nothing wrong with a plan. In fact, you need a plan. A man without a plan plans to fail. Right? I'll never forget, my, my first car was in a Suzu Rodeo, but my second car was a 2001 Honda Accord. My sister had actually bought it brand new off the dealership. And uh, by the way, one of the worst investments that you can make uh, because the car depreciates really fast. But that's all finance talk. If you want to, you can take a class on that. But, but a couple years into that, she's like, Alex, I, I want to get rid of my car payment. Would you like to take over the car? I was like 19 years old. And so what do I say? Yes. 2001 Honda Accord, you better believe I'm taking over payments. It was only about a year and a half, two years old. And so I, at 19 or something like that, I, I got the car and, and I started paying $430 a month on this car. But I was a cool 19-year-old with a Honda Accord. Look back now, I'm like, how much money could I have saved? Have you, have you ever finished paying off a car and you just get that feeling? I don't, you're telling me next month I don't owe $430? It's one of the best feelings in the world. I'll never forget sending that last payment. Oh, my car's paid off. The next month, I thought I was a millionaire. I was like, I'm rich! And I spend $430 on everything else, right? Like I, again, bad. My mom, I did not have self-control, right? We, we have a, a guy called Dave Ramsey. He's an incredible guy. He teaches a lot of people on how to use their money, invest their money, save their money. And here at Calvary, twice a year, we teach a class called Financial Peace University. And if you're in here today and you say, Alex, I just need some help with my finances, don't let pride get in the way. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I need, I, need a, I need some help. And how do I put a budget together for me, for my wife, for my husband, for my family? Like, we want to get out of debt, right? Like, debt is bad. I know America teaches the opposite, but debt is bad. I've never heard nobody say, oh, my God, I love it. I'm in so much debt. How are you and your wife doing? Amazing. Oh, my God. We owe so much. It's incredible. I love all the phone calls. It's helped our love life so much. Like, we're communicating so well. <laughs> debt will stress you out. America just says, buy it. Put it on a credit card. Put it on a monthly payment. That car that costs $45,000 will end up costing you ninety dollars in the long run. But who cares? You'll have the latest car. You'll look really good in it. Look what the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Number one, get some self-control. Maybe I'm going to have to say no to Starbucks every morning. Maybe I'm going to have to say no to that brand new car. And it's okay if I drive a hoopty for five years. After I paid off that Honda, I realized the money I was saving. Can I tell you, I literally rode that car until the wheels fell off. Like literally, it, it couldn't turn on anymore. 
I'm like, I'm not getting in debt anymore. All right? Me and Diana got married and we decided not to buy furniture on credit. The first year you would walk into our house, it was empty. We were newlyweds with nothing, but we decided we were going to do things different. We walked into newlyweds' homes who had their house completely furnished, amazing, but they owed $50,000 in credit card bills. We just said, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it cash, right? When we can, we'll buy. Some stuff we still haven't bought. <laughs> I'm just not going to die in credit card bills, right? It's getting some self-control. Number two, try to speed it up. Number two, we need to honor the owner, right? Well, what's happened with money that's stressing us out? Well, number one, get some self-control. And number two, honor the owner. What do I mean by that? I got newsflash for all of us. Money, the money we have in our pockets and our bank accounts, it does not belong to us. The only reason we're blessed, the only reason we got some money is because there's a God who is good and it doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. He's allowed us to work. Come on, he's given us strength. He's given us these hands. He's given us the ability to make a living. Our money doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. A lot of us, we think it belongs to us, so we do whatever we want with it. It does not belong to you or to me. There's a God who's the owner of all the money. And when we understand the principle of honoring God first, I'm telling you, it'll help your financial life. It's saying, well, this is not my own. I'll give you this word the Bible uses often. It's called steward, right? And we have a job. It's called stewardship. Literally what it means is that we are managers, not owners. The money you have right now in your pockets, the money you have in your bank account, you don't own it. You manage it for God. And so I'm going to get to heaven one day, and God's going to be like, hey, what'd you do with all this money I gave you? Well, God, I mean, you should see the boat I bought. It's amazing. God, I had the latest Yeezys. <laughs> oh, my God, my house was gorgeous. There's nothing wrong with none of that. As long as, number one, you've you're, you got self-control. You're investing in the right place first, eternal value first. But if you grab all this money and you're mismanaging it, God will hold us accountable. Are we honoring God first? Honor the owner. God, this is all yours. I manage it. Help me to honor you through money. Not just honor you with my lips, not just honor you with my heart, but honor you through my service, honor you through my finances, honor you through my resources. How can we do that? Well, one simple way that we all do it is through our tithes and offerings. Every single week and every service, we give an opportunity for all of us to give our tithes and our offerings. And maybe you've heard of that before. And I realize maybe a lot of people have abused it in the past and saying, if you give 10%, God will give you 100% back. Listen, we don't give to get. We give because we already got more than enough from God. That's not what I'm talking about. But tithings and offerings, it's a way of putting God first and saying, God, I'm just honoring you because you gave me this. And something happens when you honor God first. He blesses the rest of your money. It's just the way that God works. It's a spiritual principle. Honoring God first. Tithing is nothing. The word tithe just stands for a 10, 10%. It represents the whole. And so when we give God 10%. Why 10%? We just see it as a principle all throughout scripture. Right? You look at scripture. I taught about it a few months ago. You see that throughout scripture, people just gave God 10% back and he blessed the rest. It's not giving God the last, it's giving God the first and the best. In fact, if you were to get $5 today, right, let's say the, these friends right here in the, in the front row, $1, $2, $3, $4, $5, all the way to chip. That's a good-looking $5 bill, right? If, if you had $5, 
And this is what you would do with $5. Well, the first dollar, uh, I, I have to pay my mortgage, my rent. The second dollar, well, I got to get my nails done, my hair done, and we're going out to eat several times a week. The third dollar, well, I want to go to the movies and see Endgame, so we got to spend $120 for two people. And then the, the fourth dollar, right, the fourth dollar, I'm just going to do uh, whatever else I want with it and different bills. The fifth dollar, well, I don't, I don't even have 10% left, but God, I, I give this to you. Here's 2%, 3%. Honoring God is not giving God the last and the rest. Honoring God is getting those $5 and say, God, before anything else, the first dollar, I'm giving it to you. I'm submitting it to you. That first 10%, I honor you. I thank you. You gave me what I have in my account. You gave me what I got in this check. I'm giving it to you. And somehow he's going to bless the rest. Right? I'm telling you, you know what, you know what honoring God does? It actually allows you to manage the rest a little bit better. Since I was a little kid. Any dollar I would get, any ch- the first check I got, I'll never forget my parents. Hey, you better get your, give your tithes. Like, Mom, but I'm, I'm trying to buy myself a car. Give your tithes. Yeah, but the Honda Accord, give your tithes. <laughs> Since I was little in Sunday school, they taught me. And I thank God so much for it because it's allowed me now to manage the rest of the 90%. All right? You give God your first and your best. He blesses the rest. Look at the Bible. says, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth your finances, with your money, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. In other words, when you take care of God, God will take care of you. When you honor God, God will honor you. Every single time you put God in first place, I'm telling you, you will never come in second place. He'll take care of you. You may not have everything you want, but you'll have everything you need. Problem is we live in a culture that we want everything we want, we desire. A lot of it is luxury, really not needs. Honor God first. He'll bless the rest. He'll help you as you put a plan together. He'll give you wisdom and understanding. It's killing us. It's killing America. So many homes without peace. So many marriages at war. Number two reason for divorce is money problems. It's killing us. It doesn't let us sleep. What if we say, hey, I'm getting some self-control. I'm honoring God. He's going to help us get, get out of this. He's going to help us get some understanding and some knowledge. Number one, gain self-control. Number two, honor the owner. Third and finally, we'll finish with this. Focus on eternal riches. Focus on eternal riches. I think a lot of us, our eyes are just on the here and the now. I just need what, what this world is offering, what the culture is telling me. And so we try to amass all this money and all these accounts and again, I'm all for having a good life. And I think God has blessed us. You can also enjoy nice things in life as long as our life is in order and our spiritual life is in order. Nothing wrong with a beautiful bow, beautiful house. In fact, I think the diligent man and the diligent woman, God does bless. And nothing wrong with that. I'm not, a, I'm not against that at all. All I'm saying is don't let your heart be fixed on that. Where you lose your peace. I need more. I need more. <laughs> You lose family and children, marriages, trying to get more. I really don't think that's the heart of God. Jesus, in Luke chapter 16, what we just read, he says, you can't serve both God and money. You know that word money that he uses right there? In another translation, in the King James or the New King James, it uses this word mammon. It says you can't serve God or mammon. Some of us are like, mammon, what what in the world is mammon? Mammon is the Hebrew word for wealth, money, or possessions. But actually, mammon also comes from Syria. 
And it was a Syrian god. In fact, if you go real back, it actually came back from Babylon. And Babylon actually stands for confusion. Can we all admit we are confused when it comes to money? America's confused when it comes to money. And so I believe there's a mammon problem in America. And really, I think what Jesus is also trying to say is that this spirit exists in our world. And the spirit is called mammon. And it's a false god that existed back then. And it represented all the luxury, the wealth, the possessions, the money of the world that people live for and serve for. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, you can't serve two gods. You can only serve one god. Either you serve God or you serve mammon. You want to live for him? You want to devote your life to him? You want to lay it all on his altar? Be very careful because he can help you at times, but he'll kill you in other ways. What what God are you serving? Oh, you think money, riches, possessions, they'll make a great life? You'll have fun for a little while at the end see that it took more than it gave you. You can't serve both. He says you'll end up loving one, hating the other, serving one, despising the other. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God and say, God, here's my life. Every dollar I make, every check that I receive, I'm honoring you first. I'm I'm giving you my tithes, my offerings. I'm, I'm trusting you. Give me a plan with the rest. Help me to budget correctly. Help me to live within my means. And even if I have to say no for a few years, God, I'm getting out of debt. I'm serving you, God. Help me to invest in eternal things. Help me to focus and get a bigger picture than the here and now. I don't need to have the latest car, latest house, biggest house, latest things. This world will pass away in a moment. But did I serve God with what he blessed me with? Man of God, incredible man of God, A.W. Pink said this. If we can put up the quote, he said this about money. These two are diametrically opposed, he said. God and money. One commands you to walk by faith, the other to walk by sight. One to be humble, the other to be proud. One to set your affection on the things above, the other to set them on things that are on earth. He says, one to be careful for nothing, the other to be all anxiety. One to be content with such things as you have, the other enlarge your desires. One to be ready to distribute, the other to withhold. One to seek happiness in the creator, the other to seek happiness in the creature. Is it not plain? You can't serve both. Church, I'm telling you, we can't serve both. Today, today we need to make a decision. Who am I serving? Not just with my heart, with my time, but with my money. Who am I serving? Maybe some of us today, today in the morning, I think some of us, what we need is a heart check and say, maybe, maybe this is ruining my family, my life, my peace. And I'm losing peace thinking that I'm going to find peace and more money. It's not. I believe God wants you to have a healthy heart, healthy mind, healthy soul. And say, it's okay if I own some things and I possess some things, as long as these things don't possess me. Come on, can we stand up to our feet all across this place? If you're willing and able, I want you to stand up on your feet. Want us to close every eye and bow every head. Come on, did this help somebody this morning? Come on, I believe God doesn't want us to live anxious, stressed out. 
maybe today you need to speak to a connect group leader. Today you need to talk to a team leader. Say, hey, get me somebody that can help you with my budget. Some of us men, we, we, we got to put our guard down, not be so prideful. I need to get with somebody that has a better knowledge in finances than me, but I'm getting my family out of this. We're not going to live stressed out. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we all lift up our hands just for a moment and thank God for his peace? Come on, he comes to give us peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm not living to the standard of this world. I'm from a different world. We live to different standards. It's okay if I don't have all the latest things. It's okay. I'm not going to put my family under this crazy pressure of trying to live a certain way. I'm going to live within my means. I'm going to have some self-control. I'm going to honor God first. I'm going to give my tithes, my offerings. I'm going to focus on eternal riches. How can I bless somebody? How can somebody hear the gospel because I was a blessing? Thank you, Jesus, for your peace. Give us knowledge. Give us help this morning. Come on, with every eye closed, with every head bowed. Maybe you're in here today and you say, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're in here and this is your first, second time coming to church. Or maybe it's been a long, long time since you've heard of God. Maybe you're in here this morning and you say, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. I feel far. I feel distant from God. Maybe you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I feel like there's some things in my life that aren't right. It's called sin. And the truth is, all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. All of us have sinned. There's not one perfect person in this place today. Sin separates us from God. God can't be with sin. So what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. He grabbed all of our failures, all of our mistakes, all of our shame. The Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. Jesus went up on a cross and there on Calvary, he died for every single one of us. All of our mistakes, our sins, our shame, our guilt, Jesus carried it. The Bible says that Jesus, he died there on that cross, then he went down to a grave. He was in a grave for three days, but after three days, Jesus, he resurrected. He's alive today and he wants to give you life brand new. He wants to forgive you of all your sins. He wants to give you a brand new clean slate, brand new beginning. I'm going to ask the entire church to close their eyes with head bowed, eyes closed. In fact, dream team praying, pastors praying, connect group leaders praying. This is an important moment. I know today we talked about finances and anxiety and stress, but, but can I tell you, peace first begins with a relationship with God. You can have your money in order and maybe you're in here, you're like, Alex, I'm good. I'm, I, I don't got money problems. That's fine. Do you have a relationship with God? That's the most important thing. When every eye closed in a moment of privacy, maybe you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I need that. I need a relationship with God. This is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's promise for no one. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And when I count to three, if you're in here and you say, Alex, I need a relationship with God. I need forgiveness for my sins. I want to start brand new with God. I'm tired of the way I'm living life. I know I got sin. I, I need to start brand new, a brand new life. This is your day of a brand new beginning. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call on you. I'm not going to give you a mic. None of that. Every eye closed. Nobody looking around. I just want to see who I'm going to pray for. More importantly, I believe God has seen you take this step as you raise your hand. Hold it up for about five, ten seconds so that I can see you. And then you can put it right back down. Come on, every eye closed. One, two, three. Raise your hand all across this auditorium. 
Come on, raise it up a little bit higher. I see you. I see you. God bless 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 you. And you and you and you and you. God bless you. God bless you and you and you. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Father, we thank you for all these hands. Thank you for every single person making this decision today. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm going to say a simple prayer. I want all of us to repeat this after me. In fact, the whole church, come on, out loud with all we got. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you rose again. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my savior. From today on, I'm forgiven. I am saved and I'm healed in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, Calvary. Can we put, give a big, big hand. Come on. All those hands all across this.